Hello and welcome along to episode 70 of the All Things Leeds podcast. I'm Ed McIntyre and joining me remotely is, as always, my co-host, Charles Foster. Charles, hello. Hi, mate. How are you doing? I am uh, very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Just um, enjoying the cup of tea and uh, thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. So, you know, very boring things. <laughs> you had a good week? Yeah, I had an excellent week, thanks to Leeds United. They made my week very happy. Yeah, they've had a, a very good week on the pitch and... Uh, we will, of course, be looking back on what a tremendous week it's been uh, for Leeds United uh, in footballing terms, uh, looking back on their last two games, their two wins. Uh, we've got plenty of news to go over as well in this uh, episode before we look ahead to Leeds United's next two fixtures. The first is this Thursday, it's the Yorkshire Derby against Barnsley at Ellen Road, and then it's a trip to Pride Park to face Wayne Rooney's Derby County on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> this is the All Things Leeds podcast. So we'll discuss what a brilliant week it's been for Leeds United on the pitch. But we have to start this podcast uh, by paying tribute to uh, Jack Charlton, who sadly passed away at the age of uh, 85 on Friday following a long-term illness. Um, Charles, that were, this was very upsetting news to wake up to on Saturday morning. Yeah, because obviously we've lost Norman Hunter and Trevor Cherry earlier in the season, and to, to lose a third legend in you know in a few months, the the record appearance holder for for the club all time, and probably will never be beaten. It's he's really a legendary figure. He's he's legendary figure in in Leeds in English football in general, because obviously he's, his achievement of winning the World Cup, and obviously with Irish football uh, with getting them to qualify for the, the World Cup in in ninety, and I think in ninety four as well. I think qualified with them as well. So. Yeah, he's, he's a very, very popular, um, very successful player and manager. He also managed uh, Middlesbrough and Sheffield Wednesday fairly successfully as well. I think he got them both promoted. So he's very, very popular throughout the country and he will be sorely missed. Yeah, I mean, we really have lost uh, a true Leeds United England and footballing legend, really. As you mentioned there, he's he made the club record uh, 773 appearances for Leeds over 23 year period from 1952 Charles he, he was the definition of a true one club man yeah you don't you don't get them anymore really it's very 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 rare to get them especially at high level but he was a you know, very gifted centre half and uh, yeah to have him for as long as we did for over 20 years was just a testament to how how much he loved the club how much he felt uh, that, that the club were you know how, how, how good the team was and how good the atmosphere was at the club at the time throughout those 20 years and obviously by the time Revy came in he was in his late 20s so the, the achievements that we most associate with him are kind of at the back end of his career so he had an entire entire most of his career before Revy even arrived and it's, it is it is a shame to, to see, yeah, see him go I mean especially because um, as a part Irish Leeds fan myself I, I could, I've got sympathies on that side as well because I've got uh, family members that are supporters of the Republic Ireland national team so they're, they're all they're all good, and I've got a lot of uh, Leeds fans and family in Ireland as well. Yeah, well, of course, you took the uh, Republic of Ireland to their first uh, World Cup finals, wasn't it? Yeah, nineteen ninety. Yeah, um, but he's, he's <laughs> probably one of the most popular uh, Englishmen ever ever to, ever to go over to Ireland. I mean, <laughs> not there's much competition, but yeah, very very much loved. Yeah, hundred percent, and. Uh, yeah, of course, at Leeds, he won two Intercities First Cups, uh, one First Division title, one FA Cup, and uh, one Charity uh, Shield. Um, he, of course, won the 1966 World Cup with England. So, uh, yeah, a, a true great of a game. He was one of the best defenders to ever play 
football, nicknamed Big Jack. Um, yes, it's tremendously sad news, and uh, we really have lost a, a true, a true Leeds United England football legend. And of course, our uh, thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Jack Charlton's family and friends at this time. Um, and uh, yeah, this week we've been in touch with uh, some Leeds fans and uh, people connected to the club who also wanted to pay tribute uh, to Big Jack. So uh, take a listen. Where, where do you begin to start talking about such a legend? Um, so rare now when you see a one club legend in the same way, playing over 770 games for Leeds United over a 23-year career with the club before going on to play... You know, to, to manage other clubs and ultimately the Rick of Ireland national team in a transformative uh, way for them, really taking them from minnows to uh, a top top nation playing at major tournaments. Um, for Leeds, he won pretty much every honour there was um, and was part of a really, really true, uh, important part of the England World Cup winning side in 66. I started supporting Leeds in the early 70s when I was only young. And I remember Big Jack in the 72 Cup final. Um, I suppose my main memories of him are as the Ireland manager as well. He took over in 86 and we had 10 years of incredible success. Houghton's winner against England in 88 Euros. Italia 90, we got to the quarterfinals. The win over Italy in the World Cup in 94 in America. Not, not just great sport memories, but some of the greatest days of my life. Well, what can be said about the late, great Jack Charlton? 773 appearances at Ellen Road, record appearance holder at Leeds United. A true legend. It's been a sad time for all concerned with the football club, obviously with the passing of Norman Hunter and Trevor Cherry in the last few weeks. Norman, what a career. World Cup 166. Won almost everything at Ellen Road. Entered his first cup in 69. Uh, FA Cup in 72, League Cup in 68, Division 1 in 69, you name it. He's all but won it. What a career, Big Jack. Uh, brilliant with Ireland as well. Took them to the World Cups in 1994, bringing a victory over, over Italy, thanks for Ray Houghton goal. And I'll just be sorely, sorely missed. Uh, all concerned, thoughts go out to his friends and his family. Hi everyone, just a quick message just about Jack Charlton. What can I say? Club legend, one club man, 773 appearances. He'll never, ever be beaten. We all know what he was like on the football pitch, an absolute unbelievable player, but people like that, they're remembered mostly off the pitch as well, just a genuinely top, top guy. Is People like that lay the foundations for ex-players like me to play and the generation that can play now, so Jack Charlton, unbelievable, thank you for everything you've done for this football club. What be another player like Jack at all in our lifetime? Great managerial career as well with Middlesbrough, Sheffield Wednesday, Newcastle and of course Republic of Ireland where he achieved loads. RIP Jack, we're going to miss you. Um, let's get promoted for you. Take care everybody. Let's enjoy the rest of the season. Uh, the man was a legend. He will be sorely, sorely missed. And I think the finest tribute that we can do for Jack, um, for Norman and for Trevor that we lost uh, earlier in the year um, is to seal this promotion. Um, and if that's not motivating the players, then it certainly will be motivating the fans. Rest in peace, Jack. Last time I saw Big Jack was in Dublin. England were playing Ireland in a friendly 2015. Jack came on the pitch and he got a, an absolute standing ovation that went on for ages. Uh, I think it, it just showed that he was the greatest English-Irish man ever. Thanks for the memories, Jack. We'll never forget you. 
So many thanks to Andrew Stats Dalton, Vice Chair of the LUFC Trust, Graham Hyde, former Leeds United defender Ben Parker and other Leeds United fans for getting involved with that tribute. Um, Charles, you know, you, you do wonder, don't you, what the club will do to pay tribute to Jack Towton? Because, you know, of course, the name V Southsand after Norman Hunter, there's only one stand left uh, that's left unnamed, and that's the East Stand. Do you think the club will rename the East Stand after Jack Charlton? I don't know if they will. I mean, they they could do. No no one would be, would be agreed if they did. I'm sure it'd be a very proud moment to have um, have Jack's name on a stand. But they could do they could do a plaque outside. They could do uh, obviously they've got Centenary Square. They could do like a wall, or they could do a statue a statue of all the players in the team. People wanting them to make a like a group statue of them all, kind of on the tiptoes waving that kind of famous photo. I think I think it might be from the '73 Cup final. I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong there. But that would be nice as well. And um, there's, there's many things they could do. But there's one thing they they can't they can't do not do anything because it would be it, it'd be disrespectful, frankly, if, if we didn't do anything to honour his memory and his his time and commitment to the club, given given what he gave at the FA point and what he won with the club. So I would expect the club to do something. Obviously, we don't know what what's going to happen yet. I'm sure we'll find out, you know, as soon as possible. Yeah, I must admit, you know, I'm quite disappointed that the club they didn't do anything sooner to honour his name because, you know, he made 773 appearances for the club, a record which will probably never be broken. Um, and so, yeah, it's a real shame that the club, you know, didn't do anything to honour his name while he was still here. And the club definitely needs to do something, but not just for Jack Charlton, but, you know, for all the legends of that very era, you know, while they're still here. And, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people, they're saying, you know, they, they want a big statue. And, you know, I'd agree, you know, just a big statue of, you know, one of the pictures of all the players with a trophy or, you know, doing the big wave. Uh, you know, just a big statue of the entire every team, you know, to honour Jack Charlton, but also to honour the rest of the legends so they can enjoy it while they're still here. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think it means far more to people. Well, I suppose I don't know, but I, I would, I, I like to think that people would, would love it what, to be honoured while they're here. That's why the... um. I think the the plan for the the new training ground is to name it after Howard Wilkinson, which I think would be a nice touch. And because he's still alive, he's in his seventies, so it's nice to you know the the freedom of the city at um, the, the end of last year. That was brilliant because it, it honoured all the the rugby team. I think it was sixty eight or seventy four while they were still here. And obviously, I think Jack and um, Norman and Trevor would would have been there, so they could have enjoyed that. So yeah, I, I can understand what you mean when you say that. Yeah, and yeah, now you can't just help but think you know the phrase. Let's do it for Jack. You know, let's win promotion for Jack Charlton and all the legends who we've uh, sadly lost over these past three or four months. Yeah, it was because because it's been a, a bit of a, an emotional time for for the club losing three such important figures. I, mean, I think their their appearances in total, if you add them up, must be sixteen hundred, seventeen hundred appearances between the three of them. So they are three really important players in, in the history of the club and you like to think it would be kind of it, it would be really kind of poetic end to our time a hopeful time end to the time in our in the EFL to kind of uh, you know do, do it for them uh, dedicate it to them and and, and their, their lives and um, to their to their families for their loss because it's yeah, they are such important figures to every Legion United fan well let's now turn our attentions to what a fantastic week it's been for Legion United on the pitch, uh, we'll start by discussing Leeds United's sensational 5-0 victory over Stoke City at Ellen Road last Thursday. I mean, Charles, 5-0. 5-0. This was incredible. Yeah, it, it was incredible. And it's one of the games where I've been watching, obviously, them all in lockdown, either by the old, the old dodgy stream or on Sky or whatever, however I managed to watch it. And I thought, 
some of them have been a bit a bit nervy and a bit oh, I, I don't know but th this one is one of the performances which i'm really good that it happened during lockdown and not before because imagine the atmosphere if it had been there for, the, for a five nil yeah. thumping of, of a team at such a crucial point in the season as well i think it would have been i think we were in spectacular i think it would have been you know when you beating west brom four nil at home last season levels of atmosphere the um going one up like one nil up against derby at ellen road in the semi-final obviously before that fell, fell apart that kind of atmosphere i think it would have just been electric so yeah i was kind of gutted not to be there but to, to see the football on display on on uh, on sky um it was it was brilliant it was top top class especially after half time yeah i mean it was it was a very good game to watch the first 5-0 win since we beat Burton Albion 5 0 at Ellen Road back in uh, 2017. I think that was a Lasoga hat trick in that game as well. Yeah, it was. I think it was Lasoga's first game. It's got a hat trick. And after that game, you're thinking, oh, what a player this is going to be. I'm pretty sure Luciano Becchio was doing uh, dizzy penalties at half time during that game as well. Yeah. I I'm, almost entire I'm almost entirely sure that was that, that was the same game. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Um, but you know, after that game, you left that and you were thinking, Lasoga, he's going to be some player, and then uh, yeah, it just didn't work out really. Um, but yeah, for the biggest uh, win since uh, 2017, um, and this, you know, th this really is the thumping that we've been waiting two years for. I mean, of course, we beat West Brom 4 0, which is a fantastic, you know, big victory, but you know, it's when you're getting into the five and six nils, you've, you know, it, it's a real, real hammering, and this is the this is the thumping we've been we've been waiting for for two years under BL. So, you know, we've been saying it all the time. We're going to batter a team five or six nil one of these days. And yeah, it happened here. And uh, it, it was it was an incredible watch. Yeah, well, I mean, we did uh, Borough at home. We did them 4-0. We did Hull away 4-0. That was pretty good. Um, but yeah, this is um, the first time we got to five. <laughs> it was it was just fantastic. It was one of the most... I love watching a second half and you get to the point where you just think, there's absolutely no pressure on this. I can just sit here and have a beer and enjoy it, and <laughs> hopefully we'll score, score another one. That, that's exactly what I was like with, um, with 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 Bamford's goal. The last goal, I was just there, like, well, if he scores it, he scores it. But if he misses it, as the ball came over the top, if he misses it, it doesn't matter, does it? We still won. <laughs> and I mean, I couldn't really chill out until I hit four. I'll be honest, because Cardiff has mentally scarred me, so <laughs> I couldn't chill out. So when we hit four, I thought, yeah, that's done. It's it's absolutely done. There's no way they're coming back from this. Although, because the first half was not, they kind of they, they defended well. Did Stoke? Yeah, they they, they did really. So uh, yeah, we'll get into the uh, the uh, play by play of the game then. So you know, start start lineup. We saw two changes. Uh, we saw Stuart Dallas and Helda Costa thrown straight back in uh, into the starting eleven to replace Barry Douglas and Alioski. And you know, at the time, I felt as though you know it was a bit controversial. You know, I would have left it unchanged from that Blackburn game because. You know, we played so well, and especially Barry Douglas, you know, for his, for his first game back in the starting 11, because he had a fantastic game, and I felt as though he should, you know, he should have left it unchanged, just awarded the team for, for winning that game, but, you know, Bielsa decided to uh, change it, revert back to Stuart Dallas and Helder Costa, and I mean, credit to Bielsa, because it, it well and truly worked. Yeah, it was probably Helder Costa's best game in a league shirt, I don't think I'm... Yeah. Not exaggerate when I say that. Um, it was fantastic in the game. I mean, obviously the um, getting a lot of joy down the wings, and obviously he, uh, his efforts and shrugging off fouls, running into the box, it kind of gave us the opportunity for the first goal because it was an absolute moment of madness from a uh, from a former Huddersfield player, which really amused me when I figured that one out. Uh, Tommy Smith obviously just chopped him in half just inside yeah. the box. When, when he wasn't going anywhere, he, he was running the byline. He, the worst was going to happen. He was he was going to whip in a cross. So it was really strange to see that happen. But yeah, it was it was a fantastic run from Costa because obviously he picks it up and someone grabs his shirt immediately and he just obviously just shrugs him off and keeps going, which uh, 
is more that can be said for, I don't know if you saw Pereira yesterday uh, going down like he'd been shocked or someone touched his hair. Or, <laughs> I don't know if you saw, did you see that, that video of Grealish on Twitter where, where I don't know who they're playing, I think they're playing Palace, where someone like just touches him on, on like the leg and he flop, he just flops down like like he's just yeah. passed out. I'd hate it if we had players like that. It really, I mean, obviously, Ailing does the Ailing flop, but that's... <laughs> I, I don't think that's as bad, because obviously we've had Adrian in the past, so he's been rolling around like a like an electrocuted fish. But the <laughs> um, it, it, when Ailing dives, he just chucks himself to the floor. He, he, doesn't, he, he just, you know, falls onto his knees with someone pushing him in the back, uh, whereas Grealish and, and Pereira and people like that and good on that undermenable pressure. So it's, to get back to my point, it was nice to see Costa stay in his feet until he got absolutely chopped down in the box, which um, I, I was slightly nervous at first as well because I didn't know who was going to be taking the penalty because there isn't a solid penalty taker at Leeds, is there? No, there isn't really. You know, but we chop and change. You know, we, we give it to someone and if they miss, then the next penalty is given to someone else. So, um, yeah, it, it was interesting to see who was going to step up. But, yeah, of course, it was click, and we'll get onto the penalty in a, in a second. But, you know, as you were saying, Helder Costa, best game in a lead shirt by a mile. It was uh, fantastic. And, uh, yeah, all credit to Bielsa for making those two changes because a lot of people wouldn't have made the changes, but Bielsa did, and, yeah, they very much worked. But, you know, the start of the game, I felt as though it was fairly even. You know, Stoke, they were sitting back and hitting us and hitting leads on the counter. And, uh, yeah, Leeds were very sloppy on the ball in the opening few minutes, so that didn't really help matters. Um, but eventually, you know, the game turned into attack versus defence. Um, Leeds United won top, started creating chances. Uh, Bamford fired a shot just over the bar, which was really nice to see. Bamford taking shots from miles out, which is something, you know, we, we very rarely get, so it's nice to see him just take some shots for once. Um, and then on 23 minutes, Leeds United really should have found the back of the net, really. Uh, Bamford's shot was cleared uh, off the line as um Clean cleared it uh, straight into the path of Tyler Roberts, who ran in um, and looked certain to score. But um, yeah, Danny Bath, uh, who, who was right in front of the goal, uh, managed to uh, block it. I mean, yeah, Charles, how, how did we not score here? I felt sorry for Bamford much more than Roberts, to be fair, because he gets put through. Put through uh, Butland immediately goes to close him down. It chips him. I think Butland gets like gets a tiny touch to it as it goes over his head, and um, it looks like it looks for all intents and purposes like it's going in. I think Bamford even starts to celebrate with the crowdies. I don't know. If, I don't know if you saw that on the thingy. <laughs> and then uh, obviously it gets cleared off the line. I think McLean clears it off the line from Bamford. Yeah. And then um, Roberts has to score the rebound. I mean, there's. I know I appreciate there's two defenders who go back to the line by that point, but there's enough space that you just bang it in. So yeah, that was a bit oh, that was disappointing. But you know, in the context of the game, I'm I'm not that annoyed about that. <laughs> you know, in in hindsight, you can't really be annoyed about things like this because no. you know we got the job done anyway. So but yeah, but, at the, bit... but at the time though, when we missed that opportunity, it really did feel like it was going to be another one of those games where we dominate the game but just miss clear-cut chances because we really should have scored yeah. this. And it, it, it did feel like it was going to be one of those, one of those games. But um, no, thankfully, uh, Leeds United uh, took the lead just before half-time as they were awarded uh, a penalty. As you were uh, talking about earlier, Tommy Smith uh, sliding into Hilda Costa, a stonewall penalty, very clumsy from Smith. I have, I have no idea what he's doing because Hilda Costa really is going absolutely nowhere. Um, but yeah, lunges in on uh, Hilda Costa, Penalty for Leeds United. Matthias Click uh, goes and uh, steps up, and uh, he uh, comfortably uh, converted uh, Leeds United's sixth penalty of the season, uh, sending Jack Butland the wrong way. Uh, Click now has 17 goals uh, for Leeds, uh, with two of them from the uh, penalty spot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Charles, this was a a really really cool penalty from Click. Is is uh, it wasn't the best penalty I've ever seen, even from him. It was um, 
because it wasn't right in the corner. So if Butland had dived the right way, he'd have got it. So yeah, it was, but it was kind of nerves of steel. It was, it was probably the goal I celebrated the most because I knew, I knew when we scored it that the heads of the Stoke team would just drop. Yeah. And I knew we, we would calm down massively as well and we'd take, you know, better care of the ball, take up more of our time with it, with the with the patterns and the moves going forward after that because I thought if it had gone in at half time, nil nil, they would have got more confidence. Ma- Michael O'Neill would, would have, would have, would, would have just said, keep doing what you're doing, frustrate them, frustrate them, frustrate them, hit them on the counter. And we it could have ended up being like Luton where we had a lose or we draw it 1-1 or we don't get the result we want. So to, br- to break them just before half-time was really key in the game because that is a sucker punch goal. It reminds me of the, as I know we were talking about the semi-final playoff leg against Derby, second leg I should say, last season where we, we got sucker punched just before half-time with that equaliser. And that changed the the, the game completely. I, I still think if we'd have gone in one nil at half time, we'd have won that game. So yeah, conceding just before half time is a massive sucker punch, and it was entirely their own fault as well because we weren't we weren't creating that much, we weren't going anywhere. But they obviously gave away a stupid penalty and click bust it away. It's not it's not the best penalty I've ever seen, but you know it's um, it was nerves of steel to put it to put it the right way and and get it in. And the, you could see by the reactions of the players, they were it was really important. And I was yeah. going mentally me living. I was I'm sure you were as well. I've got <laughs> mentally me living. Yeah, it was, a, it was a very big goal. And yeah, it gave Leeds United a wonder lead heading into half time. A deserved lead, really, because we were on top. Uh, Pablo Hernandez uh, came on uh, for Tyler Roberts at half time. And uh, yeah, Leeds United ran riot in the second half. We made it 2 0 on 47 minutes. Dallas played a, a nice one two with uh, Hernandez. Then he uh, played the ball through to an unmarked Helder Costa in the box. And it looked like the chance had gone away at first with uh, Helder Costa's first touch, but um, he managed to uh, end up poking the ball home. Um, and yeah, a nice finish for Helder Costa. And yeah, pleased that he got it because, as you know, as we've been saying, his best game in a lead shirt. Yeah, I think he was, he couldn't believe, I think it's, uh, what's his name? Is it James Chester for Stoke? I think he couldn't, he used to play for Villa. He was he was marking Costa in, in the build up and obviously Hernandez and Dallas do the one two um and find that through ball. And Chester just doesn't realise that Costa's just he is not next to him anymore, he's just run past him. So he's he's left completely unmarked about five yards out. And he even has a second to change his completely change his body shape. And he can't believe the amount of time he's got when he's in the position he's in while he's on side. You, you can see it in the way he reacts, is like, how the hell have I not been tackled yet? Or, you know, shepherded out for a for a corner. And then he fires it in with his weak foot because obviously he's um, he's left footed his Costa, but obviously pokes it in with his right foot pretty much through Butland. I don't really know what the goalkeeper were doing um, <laughs> for this one, but you know this is we we're talking about sucker punches before. This is we won just before our time, and this was on like the forty sixth, forty seventh minute, so just after half time. Yeah. So it, it it was it was kind of in boxing to be like, like a punch combo <laughs> just to knock somebody <laughs> out. The Stoke were essentially after the after the second goal that they. Had to come out at us, and they were they were much more vulnerable because they, they were, they're coming out further, leaving more spaces, which is why we'll get on to talking about what happened after this. Because if you leave a space, then you're going to get punished. Everyone who leaves space gets punished by Leeds. Yeah, uh, sorry if I look distracted, but um, we had an an ant infestation down in the conservatory, and um, I saved one of the plants, got it up on my desk, and I've just seen three ants just walk across the desk in single file. <laughs> <laughs> so uh i need to sort that out as soon as we finish the podcast <laughs> um but yeah back onto the game then so uh yeah a few minutes later from that goal uh bamford he uh, struck the crossbar uh really unlucky 
Um, and then moments later, Bamford with a you know a good effort after a great run, forcing Butland into a, a really good, strong save. And yeah, Bamford, he was having a fantastic game and I'm really pleased that he got his goal late on. Uh, but yeah, Leeds United made it 3-0 on 57 minutes. Uh, nice play from Leeds United here, Calvin Phillips. Uh, finding Pablo Hernandez on the right side of a box. He cut it back to Liam Cooper, who struck the ball first time and it went in off the post for the 100th and 50th goal Leeds United have scored under Marcelo Bielsa. But I mean, what a finish. What a finish from a, from a centre-back. This is a an Aguero-esque finish. Yeah, I, I, we'll talk about the finish, but I, I want to talk about the build-up first because obviously it comes from the corner and Hernandez starts to move on the left wing, gives the ball, I think, I don't know if he gives it a click or Dallas or whatever, and then he runs through the entire Stoke defence to the other side of the pitch as the ball's kind of worked to Calvin Phillips. And, uh, and Hovers, obviously, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at a still of the Stoke back line at the point where Hernandez is fed through, it is the most comical thing you've ever seen. It's like non-league defending because there's no, it's not, you for a defensive line, you want a straight line, don't you? You want a straight line and, if you're going to play the offside trap, it needs to be high and everyone needs to be in line. Theirs was all over the place. A couple of their players were, were holding their hands up for offside. I think <laughs> yeah, I think three of the think... players were, were playing him offside, they were they were thinking, and they had their hands up. Little did they know that there's two players behind both playing him onside. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, James McLean was playing him about three yards onside and he had <laughs> all the space and the time in the world uh, to, obviously, he's unmarked, he picks up the ball. Uh, feeds it through to, of all people, Liam Cooper, who's in their 18-yard box for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, obviously, it's a corner. corner that's why. I mean, I, <laughs> I was thinking there, why was he in the 18-yard box? Like, oh, yeah, it was a corner. Yeah, so he was, he was in the 18-yard box. And obviously, it's, uh, it's a left-foot finish in off the post. And um, that's when you know your luck's in. When, you get, when, you, when you're going 3-0 up that early in the second half, you know, you. I think, was it 60-something minutes? 60? 57. 57, 57, right. So it's that that's game over there. Well, I can say that in hindsight. At the time, I was thinking we need a fourth here because we're going to concede three off offset pieces. <laughs> but yeah, the the goal was 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 brilliant. It was it was perfect build up play and kind of the kind of evidence of why Hernandez is so crucial to us in games, as we're going to talk about in the next game when we get to that. But yeah, <laughs> this was a brilliant goal. Yeah, yeah, fantastic finish from uh, from Liam Cooper, and uh, yeah, it was four nil on a uh, seventy two minutes. Uh, Luke Aylin, uh playing Hell Costa uh, down the right. Uh, he played the ball back to Pablo Hernandez on the edge of the area, uh, who struck the ball first time and found the back of the net. I mean, what a goal from Pablo Hernandez this was! Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was just, it was just perfect. He just, he just kind of swept it in. It was, it was so perfectly placed as well. People, I, I remember watching at the time. I didn't realize it had gone in. I thought, I thought, and when I, I realized it did go in, I thought, oh, Butler must have made a mistake there. That must have gone through his gloves or something. But it's not actually. It's just he sweeps it. And it's so perfectly placed in the bottom corner. It's, it, it's awesome. It's just the. Um, the 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 movement from Bamford is 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 my favourite bit of this goal, not not just the finish because obviously the uh, it's Costa who uh, who cuts the ball back, but Bamford not only steps over the ball, he makes a dummy run to dra- to drag the centre back to give Hernandez all the space in the world, all the time in the world, just sweep the ball home because if the centre half's still there, he maybe gets a block in or he maybe fouls Hernandez, but because he drags him out, Bamford drags the defender out of position, gives Pablo the, the space to shoot, and then and then it's 4-0, and then that, that is the game. And at that point, I, I was thinking, right, how many can we do these for so we can get the goal <laughs> difference up? And the, yeah. the goal difference did turn out to be a big factor in this game in the end, because by the end of the game, our goal difference had overtaken West Brom's. Yeah, yeah very important. 
uh, win this, you know, not only because, you know, an important three points, but, you know, the amount of goals, five goals, really did wonders for the goal difference. You're, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, but yeah, what a finish from Pablo Hernandez. It was so nice to, to, to watch. And yeah, this fourth goal uh, finished a move of 30 consecutive passes, uh, the most in the build-up to a goal scored in the championship this season. It was absolutely remarkable. But he also ball at, at its best. Um, and yeah, in uh, added time, Leeds United made it 5-0. Just icing on the cake, this really. Uh, Luke Halen uh, plays a, a great long ball over the top to uh, Bamford, who let the ball settle before striking it first time. A cross goal and in off both posts, uh, far right post and the left post. Uh, yeah, Bamford now has 16 goals this season. Uh, one goal off from equaling his, his previous most in the second tier campaign. Yeah, fa- fantastic strike from Bamford, this. Yeah, it was it was probably his best goal of the season. It was just because of um obviously the kind of speculative ball over the top from Aileen in the last minute. I think he's expecting Bamford to just kind of pick it up, hold it up and, you know, shepherd it out. But I think Bamford's thinking, well, the shot's on here. And a worst case scenario, uh, uh, Butland will save it. So he um he kind of slows his run and kind of hits it on the almost like on the half volley. And it goes obviously goals always look better when they go off the crossbar or the post or something kind of aesthetic like that. Uh, nice aesthetic like that. And uh, to go off both posts and go in, it was kind of the icing on the cake of a very, very good yeah. second half performance. And it, I was I was delighted for Bamford as well, because obviously he gets a lot of stick about not being on the on the score sheet enough. And um, this was this was just a wonderful goal. It was like, oh, we, even, even uh, me and you have talked in the past how we wanted to take more shots from outside the box, take more kind of speculative efforts. Uh, speculative, I'm trying to get pronounced that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, normally, obviously, he's... Um, He's finishing from anywhere between two and eight yards. You know, just kind of, he's doing the tappings at the end of moves when he scored. But this was this was a, this is a beautiful finish, and um, I kind of felt sorry for Butland really because he's because <laughs> uh, because the, the Stoke defence really should have been close to Bamford there. But you know, yeah. what whatever. Five nil, and then um, that was such a great response to to, to Brentford and and, um, and West Brom winning because. We were all a bit nervous about the game. We're all thinking if we if hiccup here, especially after the first half, where it was a bit a bit nervy, a bit edgy, and then we we just smashed Stoke out of the park. And you thought, right, we're we're, we're in this to win the, to win it. We are. Yeah. We're, we're not going to let uh, Brentford or West Brom or Fulham make us collapse. Where because um, we are the best team in the form table at the moment. I think I, that that gets ignored because since the restart, I think Fulham have had more, but. In the last 10 games, we've got more points than Fulham have. So we are the form team. I think people forget that because Skylight reporting yeah. on Brentford being, you know, West London, Real Madrid or whatever they're calling it at the moment. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it was it was such an important result. I mean, I would have taken a, well, I'd have taken a nervy 1-0 and we'll talk about another nervy 1-0 in a minute. But to get a brilliant 5-0, was, was a, the squad will never say it, but it was a big statement. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a massive, massive statement. Um, yeah, a really, really, you know, big win. And uh, yeah, as I said, Bamford, now 16 goals this season, one off from equaling his previous most in a second-tier campaign. Um, yeah, to give us a 5-0 win, the uh, biggest win ever over Stoke. Um, and yeah, that's the fashion we've been waiting for for the last two years. Really pleased with that. Um, it's the eighth double of the season um, and a significant win as that guarantees a top four finish for Leeds, meaning that if we end up in the playoffs, uh, the second leg will be at home. 
so uh, yeah, I guess it's a win-win. <laughs> and uh, yeah, after that game, Marcel Bielsa said he felt uh, it wasn't a 5-0 game. You know, he felt as though, you know, it was a little bit closer. You know, it didn't feel it was a 5-0 game, but... No, what to be honest, he's right. It wasn't a five 0 game. It was a ten 0 game. <laughs> I mean, five 0 really did flat a Stoke here. Yeah, I've got I've got to disagree with that because obviously there's the the Bamford and the Roberts mix up in the first half. There's Bamford in the bar uh, off a off a of a kind of half chance. So it, it and then Click had one where it was it came to him like the far post and he kind of missed kicked it and it went it went wide. But like so that's that's three. It could have been eight 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 nil would not have flattered the performance. So if it had put them away. So yeah, I'm 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 not so sure, but obviously Bielsa's you know characteristically very modest uh, guy, very yeah. you know respectful to opposition managers. So I can see why he'd be saying something like that. Yeah. But I, I personally don't agree. I think it would have been worse. I mean, if we beat a team nine nil and the other team missed nine clear cut chances, Bielsa after the game after the game will probably go, oh, it should have been a draw, really. You know, it's just the kind of guy Bielsa is. He's very uh, very humble. Um, it's worth mentioning Gaetano Berardi came on uh, as a substitute for Leeds in the 84th minute and completed 16 passes. Only two Stoke City players completed more passes with 17, <laughs> which is just incredible. Um, and yeah, it's also worth mentioning that uh, in this game, uh, Leeds had uh, five scorers with five different nationalities for only the second time in the club's history. Uh, of course, Click, he's Polish, Costa is Portuguese, Liam Cooper is Scottish. Hernandez is Spanish and uh, Bamford is uh, English. So, uh, yeah, uh, only second time in the club's history, we have had five uh, different uh, goal scorers with five different nationalities. Incredible. Incredible. It is incredible. <laughs> it is incredible, but like Liam Cooper's from Hull. Like, I know I appreciate he's got a Scottish family, but he's from yeah. Hull. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's a nice start. It is a nice yeah. start. And, uh, yeah, that uh, emphatic 5-0 win put Leeds in a good stead heading into uh, Sunday's game against Swansea City away at the uh, Liberty Stadium. And you know what? I, I don't know, but heading into this game, you know, I wasn't nervous at all. I don't know why, but heading into this game, I just wasn't nervous. I mean, yes, Brentford won away at Derby the day before, but you know, Blackburn did us a favour, drawing 1-1 uh, at home with West Brom. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just wasn't nervous heading into Sunday's game at Swansea. How were you feeling heading into this game? I knew it would be the hardest game we had left, on, yeah. certainly on paper. And I thought it would be the hardest because it was. It's away. It's Wales. We've got a really poor record in Wales. Uh, they've got obviously got, they've got some decent players. They've got Brewster on love from Liverpool. Freddie Woodman in goal on love from Newcastle. Obviously they've got uh, Chilina. He, he he was on the bench, but he's he's been a good player the last few seasons. Um, They've got Ayu, who's you know just a decent, a very good player at this level. So I, I knew it would be a difficult game, but it very it kept, it came clear to me as I was following it that Swansea weren't that bothered if they didn't win. They just didn't want to lose. They they were yeah. they seemed very happy with a nil nil. They were a bit attritional. Obviously, they only had a couple of chances throughout the entire game. I think Bruce tried one in the first half, really kind of easy save for Mesley. And I think Connor Gallagher probably had their best chance when he hit one uh, towards the top corner, which Mesley had palmed over. And they didn't really do anything other than that. We didn't get that much done either, obviously, we, uh, throughout the game. It was just a very, a bit of a, bit of a kind of stalemate performance. They weren't breaking us down. We weren't really breaking them down. We, we had a couple of chances. Um, obviously, Bamford's head is the big one. But yeah, it was, it was, it just wasn't, it wasn't the greatest game to watch. But, you know, that's exactly what Swansea did at Ellen Road. They came and they, they just kind of nullified us, but they didn't create anything themselves. So the game was a bit dull. It was a bit, Low in quality, but uh, as we'll get on to talking about shortly, that was all rescued by a, a certain <laughs> Spanish genius. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, you mentioned uh, the, the poor uh, record leads have in Wales. Um, yeah, to be fair, it, it didn't help when Stats tweeted out the night before um, that Leeds had only won nine out of 53 visits to Wales. That made me a little bit nervous. But um, now I, I was still pretty confident heading into the game. But, you know, as you say, you know, you know a pretty lacklustre game, really. You know, not too many chances. Um, definitely for Swansea, Rian Brewster and Ayu looked uh, very dangerous for them. And of course, on 32 minutes, uh, Bamford had that chance where he followed it straight at the... Uh, Straight out of Woodman, uh, the goalkeeper. Uh, but yeah, 0-0 at halftime. We needed Pablo Hernandez on, really. And uh, yeah, we got Pablo Hernandez. Pablo Hernandez and uh, Alioski came on for Stuart Dallas and, and Tyler Roberts. I feel pretty sorry for Tyler Roberts, to be honest, because he's always getting subbed off at halftime, the poor guy. I think it's just because he knows if, if Hernandez was fully fit, he would be starting the games. And Bielsa wants to give him that chance, but I don't think he's not suited to the role. So I do feel kind of sorry for him. And he's not, he's not really playing to his... To play his best football to his best potential. So I, yeah, I do. I think I think we do need another attacking midfielder in the in the transfer window. So we'll, we'll see what the club do about that. Yeah, Especially definitely. given um, Hernandez is getting on a bit, but yeah, Hernandez came on and kind of gave the game a bit of a lift. We we, we just look a bit more dangerous. And while Swansea probably probably considered themselves to be the better team in the first half, even though they didn't really have any decent that many decent opportunities. We we were certainly the better team in the second half and we finally managed to punish them, although it took a very long time to do so. Yeah, definitely. Back on Tyler Roberts though, you know, as you still think he's a number ten, you know, he, he he's a striker, isn't he? And you know, when he plays number ten you can tell, you know, he's always, you know, bombing forward. And I think he desperately wants to play number nine. He's fantastic at, at, at number nine. And, you know, I do feel sorry for him because there's some games where Bamford hasn't been too great. And you think, all right, the next game, drop Bamford, sit Tyler Roberts at number nine where he wants to be and he'll have a good game. But you know, it's just not working out for him. You know, he, he's just not cutting it at number 10 and he's not getting a chance at number nine. And yeah, I do feel sorry for him, really, because he's just playing that first half waiting for Pablo Hernandez to come on, really, isn't he? And yeah, I agree with you. You know, we definitely do need an attacking midfielder because Tyler Roberts isn't really isn't really the answer and Pablo Hernandez is getting on a bit. So, um, yeah, we do probably need and a replacement. Bogus is a bit young as well, so he can't really yeah. stick him in. And So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I do feel a bit sorry for Roberts, but, you know, the, 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 it all worked out, so <laughs> we'll leave. Yeah. Plus, Roberts was buzzing by the end of the game as well, so I don't think he was that bothered. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, Pablo Hernandez came on and, of course, you know, him and and him and Alios could just give us a load more life in midfield, give us a lot more control in midfield. Because I feel as though when Tyler Roberts is playing alongside Click, Click is having to stay back quite a lot and do and do a lot of the defending work while Tyler Roberts bombs forward. And yeah, I don't think Click has his best game really when Tyler Roberts is there with him. You know, I feel as though when Pablo Hernandez is on, um, you know, Click gets a bit more freedom to do all his work. And same with Pablo Hernandez, I think they complement each other really well. They just work so much better. Um, so yeah, Pablo Hernandez came on, love more control in midfield. And yeah, we really started playing some uh, decent football. Um, of course, we need to talk about the uh, miss of a match, really, on the uh, 65 minutes. Um, yeah, Hernandez sprayed a ball out to uh, uh, Jack Harrison on the left. Um, he sent in a cross, a, a perfect, perfect ball, first time into uh, Bamford, who was five yards out, unmarked, and he headed it straight at the goalkeeper. He, he should have scored here, Charles, shouldn't he? Diving headers are difficult, and I can't imagine that Bielsa does much training on diving headers in training because they're quite rare in games. But yeah, he has to he has to put it to when the angle behind the goal does him no favors because uh, he has to put it to Woodman's left. There's so much space there. If he just lets it glance his head, it goes into the far corner and he'll score. Yeah. It's because he, he he tilts his head and he puts so he, put, he gets it square on his head, so he hits it much more central, which gives Woodman the opportunity to. Get, get on to it and save it so 
yeah, it was it was that kind of point in the game. I think that was a what sixty mid sixties in the minutes. Yeah, sixty fifth minute. Yeah, sixty fifth. Right. So it was kind of midway through the second half, and you were thinking that was that was the chance to go win the look. That was the chance, and we haven't managed to take. And that was Anders as well, whipping the ball across to Harrison, who, who obviously first time crossed to Bamford as well. Yeah, I mean, if Bamford but, finishes yeah. off, this is one of the goals of the season, hands down. Because it's a fantastic yeah, ball it's... from Hernandez, fantastic cross from from Harrison, and a diving header is just nice to watch. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would have been a goal of the season if Bamford had scored this. I'm not sure goal of the season. I, I, I wouldn't sure I'd go that far, but it would it would have certainly been a very very good goal, and it would have yeah. calmed the nerves massively, and it would have forced Swansea to come out a bit more, and probably would have led to us getting a few more chances. So we, we never know what was going to happen there. As it happened, it was all right anyway. But you know, that we we really could have do, done with that one going in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Bamford, he literally has the entire goal to him at. And yeah, I definitely think he should have done better here. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't want to be too negative on what has been a fantastic week on the pitch for Leeds United, you know, a fantastic win here. And I don't want to be too negative, but Bamford, you know, he, he just isn't good enough, is he? I mean, he should have definitely scored this. He has the entire goal to him at and he, and he heads it straight at the keeper. Should have really scored. And, you know, people come back to me and say, yeah, he's got 16 goals, 16 goals this season. Um, you know, he, he's got more than Kemar Roof has had over the past two seasons. And uh, yeah, you know, great that he scored 16 goals, but he should be on about 30 already, you know, with the, with the uh, amount of chances he gets put on the plate for him. He just misses too many clear-cut chances and he really should have scored here, really. As you say, you know, we've got one nil up here and it, it just eases so many nerves. But um, yeah, he missed this chance here, but luckily Leeds United did go on to win the game. Um, a last-minute winner here. Uh, Luke Ayling winning the length of the pitch in the final minute of the game. Um, a fantastic run from Luke Ayling uh, to set up Pablo Hernandez in the box who uh, yeah, found the bottom left-hand corner. Unreal scenes here, Charles. Yeah, it kind of came off um, when Routledge was was attacking down our our right hand side. Oh, sorry, our left hand side, their right hand side, and it kind of got work from Phillips over to Ailing, who essentially runs the length of the pitch. He uses Click and Costa and, and and does the overlap, and we we love the overlap and cut back. It's it's kind of the signature Bielsa move is the overlap yeah. and cut back. So we're yeah, Ailing overlaps Costa and gets the ball and obviously uh, cuts it back in. It gets a, a slight nick off, it's like a Swansea ankle if you watch the goal, So, which means it takes it just behind Pablo Hernandez. So he takes a touch and then just sweeps it bottom corner, goes in off the post. The tiny amount of space he had to aim at there, because Woodman was already diving, so the tiny amount of space between the post and, and, and Woodman's hand, they managed to sneak it through, just kind of nicking the post on the way in is is unbelievable. Obviously, massive scenes that you could hear the staff and Victor Orta going mental, um, Angus Kinnear, there's lots of him with his fist in the air, there's um, Berardi strangling Bamford, there's all the subs are on the, on the pitch. There's that photo of him, of um, of Hernandez having torn his like his shirt off, and and he's got like I know he's got like those uh, those tracker like almost like vest type things <laughs> because it was like that yellow, like dark yellow. It looked a bit like Bruce Willis and Diad, and and <laughs> there's Jamie Shackleton there <laughs> next to him as well, going going mental. So it was just um, it was a really wonderful moment in the season. It is one of those kind of sliding doors moments because you think, oh, if we drop points there, then Brentford make up a bit of ground on us, and it's we get dragged into the mess that West Brom have got have let themselves get dragged into. Where it, we could be looking at how oh, it might come down to Derby or Charlton, it might be a final day thing, mm-hmm. but. As it is, we've we've nicked that last that last minute winner, and that just makes it so much more comfortable because now it's mathematically it's four points from three games. That is all we need for for promotion. 
yeah that's that's providing you know we were recording this on wednesday uh, around midday ish that, that that is very much dependent on how brentford do this evening because if they they drop any points then it's a, then a win will do so yeah it's four points maximum so that it really kind of takes the pressure off and you could see it in the face and Ananda says he couldn't breathe for like five seconds after he scored it because <laughs> he was running off and celebrating. Um, it was just, it was, it was great because you, you saw how gutted Pablo was at the end of last season before we went into the playoffs. You know, I think it was Brentford away when he's, you know, crying on the pitch and he's just, you know, devastated. And we had bottled it essentially because it was four, it, I think we got one point from our last four games, whatever it was at the end of last season. So we really did bottle it massively. And he was gutted then. It was nice to see him just, uh, Ananda has been quoted as saying it would be the finest, it'd be the best achievement in his career. And this is a man that's, you know, been cap for Spain five times he won the league cup with Swansea so to say that winning 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 the winning the, you know winning promotion with Leeds would be the best moment of his career that's that's quite a statement yeah I mean you could tell how much it meant to him you know because he he's scoring against his former club and last season in that two-all draw away at Swansea Pablo Nanda scored very you know limited celebrations really you know he didn't want to rub it in the face of his former club but here you could tell he enjoyed it you could tell how much it meant to him you know scoring against his former club last minute, taking his shirt off, running, you know, running about daft, you know, it was, it was fantastic to see, he made it even sweeter, and you know, revenge as well, because Swansea, earlier in the season, came to Ellen Road, nicked a last minute winner, you know, Shithouse a 1-0 winner at Ellen Road with a last minute winner, and uh, yeah, we go ahead and, and essentially just do the same at their place with a last minute uh, winner at 1-1-0, it was a, uh, yeah, revenge, very, very sweet revenge, and uh, yeah, made, made even sweeter by the celebrations, it was fantastic. And, you know, credit yeah. to Leeds United as well, because going into the game, you know, there, there was a bit of pressure. You know, Brent, Brentford had won, West Brom had drawn, you know, which is okay for us. But, you know, Brent, West Brom still picked up points. So, yeah, a bit of pressure heading, you know, formally tending into the game. And, yeah, we, we dealt with that pressure, with that pressure. And it was a perfect response, really. And I mentioned it in the uh, live match reaction we did on uh, YouTube and Facebook after the game. That's like a tennis match, isn't it, between us and, and Brentford and West Brom? You know, uh, they're on one side hitting the ball to us when they win a game, saying, yeah, here you go, deal with it. And then we've just sent the tennis ball right back, the tennis ball of pressure right back to them saying, yeah, deal with this now. Um, a, a really perfect response. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit annoyed with the scheduling, to be fair. Thanks to Sky, really, because they're always putting us on last. Obviously, West Brom play and Brentford play in, in either order, but they always play before we do. We always play last. So we always play with the knowledge that what our result will affect that the end of that game week completely. There's no chance for it to change. Uh, and um, obviously, we've got, we've got the same on um, tomorrow because we're playing, everyone else has played on the, as we're recording this on the Wednesday, uh, West Brom have already played and drawn against Fulham. Obviously, Brentford are playing... Uh, tonight on Wednesday night and we're playing tomorrow so yeah it's it was crucial to get a result then and it'll be crucial to get a result tomorrow yeah yeah very much so uh, but yeah 1-0 win for Leeds here uh, Leeds' first win at Swansea since 1964 um, that's now 20 clean sheets of the season um, a new league record in a 46 game season and we've also broken our best run of away league victories in a second tier uh, 46 game season with 12 um, and yeah, four wins in, in five, one loss in 12. And uh, in reaching 25 wins, we've equaled the same number from last season, which was a club record in a 46 ga- uh, game second tier season. Um, so yeah, a, a very uh, a big win in, in, in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, that win leads, leaves uh, Leeds United at the top of the championship table on 84 points. Uh, three points needed to break the club record, which was uh, 86 in the 2009-10 season. Uh, we're two points above West Brom, who are in second, six points uh, ahead of Brentford in third, 
and they're seven points ahead of a fourth-placed Fulham. So Fulham can no longer catch us. So we can forget about Fulham. They're irrelevant now to us. Uh, they can no longer catch us. Uh, four points needed from our last three games to win uh, automatic promotion. And uh, yeah, two of those last three games are at home against Barnsley and Charlton. <laughs> so, I mean... Charles, we could be a Premier League team by the end of the week. Yeah, I think, obviously, due to Fulham drawing, we can, like you said, we can't finish any lower than third now. I think it's, um, I don't know if I'm wrong in saying this, is it, is it five points we need to win the title as well? Obviously, five we points need... to win the to win the league title. Ma- yeah. Ma- 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 yeah, regardless of what anyone else does. So we need five points. If, if everyone else wins all the games, we need five points. So it really is, if we can just go out and beat Barnsley and, and Derby, then then we've done it. Then we've, we've won the title, and that's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's much easier to say that than do it. And there'll be, I'm sure there'll be a lot of moments in both those games where things are not going so well, as happens in every football match. But it does feel... I mean, I was watching someone talk sport this morning uh, with them trying to pressure Jermaine Beckford into saying all... You know, pressure him into saying Leeds are already up and he wouldn't, he wouldn't say it. He's like, <laughs> I'm not saying it till it happens. And yeah. I was thinking, fair play. You're not, you're not going to say it till it happens. And it's... The, you know, not, not many Leeds fans at the moment I think are thinking, oh, we've done it. But I we are very close, though. You know, we're on we the home stretch. Can... We just need to cross the finish line now. We are so, so close. And you can feel yeah. it. You can feel how close it is. You don't want to let yourself hope because it is the hope that kills you. <laughs> Bielsa's going to look at all three games and think we need to win all of them. I'm looking forward to, hopefully, if everything goes well, I'm looking for the Charleston game to be a kind of glorified friendly where it doesn't really matter what, what happens in the game and we can just, you know, chuck Jamie Shackleton and, and you know, Robbie Gotson and Jordan Stevens and just, you know, <laughs> give everybody a run out. That, yeah. that, that, that is the scenario I'd, I'd like to do, you know, and just see yeah. see what see what all the youth players can do because I would I would love it if we were to pick up uh, three points in the next game and I hope Brentford slip up but if Brentford don't slip up then we'll have to get a draw at Derby and I'm looking forward to uh, Wayne Rooney's face when we <laughs> secure promotion at, at, at Pride Park that, that would be brilliant <laughs> I mean how how are we feeling because we could be a Premier League team this week how are we feeling because you know you don't want to say it but we are essentially you know there you know, four points needed from the last three games. Two of them at home against Barnsley and Charlton and the other away at Derby. We're, we're, not, we're not there, there, there. Yeah, I know, but, you know, how, how are you feeling knowing that we could be a Premier League team at the end of the week? How are you feeling? In a word, apprehensive. If we win the Barnsley game, then I'll, I'll be there with you. I'll, I'll, I'll feel much more, like, much more confident that it's absolutely finished, it's done. But... Until we we need we need that extra three points because we need that we need, we need to keep mm. the gap going because I think if we get three more points, Brentford will probably give up anyway if we beat Barnsley because there's no point chasing us at that point. And I think they'll they'll see they'll see West Brom as, as the weaker of the two and they'll they'll try and pounce on them. And fair play because West Brom got two draws in the last two games, so they are looking the, they are the weakest side in the top four for the form, I think. So yeah. they'll be looking they'll be looking as uh, West Brom and not us. So yeah, I think. If we beat Barnsley, then I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be. But at the moment, I'm just apprehensive. I just want to, I want the Barnsley game to be full time. I want to have the three points. I want to get over that hurdle. Yeah, hopefully Leeds United uh, can do it. Um, yeah, I know, I know it's not hard to get carried away, but um, yeah, l- l- let's try take it one game at a time, shall we? Let's try take it one game at a time. And uh, yeah, we of course move on to that game against Barnsley at Ellen Road on Thursday. We'll preview that Yorkshire derby later on in the show. <laughs> So let's have a look at some news now, then. And uh, we have to start with the uh, big news, and that is that Leeds United midfielder Calvin Phillips will be out for up to five weeks after picking up a knee injury during Sunday's 1-0 uh, win away at Swansea. Um, yeah, Charles, Phillips is uh, out for the rest of the season. How are we, uh, how are we feeling about that? 
not pleased. Obviously, he's kind of crucial to the way we play. You could see it in the second half of Swansea, he had his knee kind of heavily strapped up, so he clearly had some kind of, I don't know if he's got a little bit of muscle damage or hopefully it's just, you know, like a strain or something like that, nothing yeah. too serious. I mean, he, play, he played the game out, though, didn't he? You know, he came out in the second half with strap all over his knee and finished the game, so. Yeah, I mean, knee injuries generally are much more serious than five weeks, so he's probably just, you know, sprained something or overly stretched something in his knee, and he'll, he'll need to rest. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a bit disappointing. I think Bielsa will probably just stick Ben White in midfield and put Brady in to, to cover it over the last three games. I personally wouldn't do that. I don't think we should disrupt the back four. I think it's fine as it is. I think we should blood either McCalmont or Gotts would be my choice. Probably Gotts. I think he's probably closer to... People are saying put like Click there, but Click won't be able to do the job. I don't think Shackleton can do the number four job either. I think Shackleton's a... Shackleton's the number six. He do he can do the Click role. I don't think he can do the Calvin role. I would I would go with Gotts personally. He was he was good against Arsenal. He didn't play yeah, the Phillips role against Arsenal though. Gotts is more of a Gotts can play the DM role as well, mate. I've seen him play it for yeah. the under-23s few few times so I, did he not did he play further forward in the Arsenal game yeah he played alongside Click in the uh, Arsenal game yeah right well yeah fair enough if he did play the Click role but I've seen I've seen him play the, the DM role in another 23s games at Elm Road and, and at Tadcaster so he, he has played there before in, in a slightly deeper role I think he can do it McCallum has definitely done the DM role he did it at Stoke yeah. in the Cup early in the season so he could do that again uh, if need be uh, I, w- I wouldn't disrupt the back line I think we've had a, the defensive unit is is so solid at the moment it's so it's so good I wouldn't I wouldn't disrupt that but obviously Bielsa li- quite likes Ben White in midfield so we'll, we'll see yeah. we'll, that's probably what's going to happen I mean Bielsa's already come out in his press conference this week and said that Ben White will play in midfield yeah. and Nevada will go uh, into a uh, centre-back you know which which has worked this season it has worked this season and you know we we you know we we'd go with it, and you know I'm pretty confident against Barnsley and Charlton and Derby with that anyway. Um, but you know I'm with you. you no, know, personally, I wouldn't disrupt the back four, and I'd probably put McCalmont in CDM. I think he's a he's a fantastic replacement for Calvin Phillips. He you know that's his role in the under 23s is that defensive midfield spot for McCalmont. So I think he would be a a fantastic uh, replacement for him. But um, no, but he also said that Ben White will play in midfield and Bavardi will be at uh, centre-back. So uh, yeah, we'll just have to um, see how that works in these last three games. But, uh, you know, are, are you worried without Cam Phillips heading into these last three games? I think our record without Phillips this season is four wins, two defeats. So it's positive, but, you know, still got the two defeats in there from when he's been suspended or or picked up an injury. Uh, I'm I'm slightly concerned it will... But, you know, Barnsley are bottom of the league. They are bottom of the league. They The last three games are, are us, Forest and Brentford. So the odds of them picking up enough points to escape the relegation zone are... Slim to none, really. So, obviously, it is, it is still the Oxford Derby. They'll be playing for pride because, you know, for some reason they consider us their rivals, even though Rotherham <laughs> are probably closer to their rivals than we are. So, they'll they'll be they'll be well up for it. But, obviously, we've got Clark Adore and Alex Mower and Appleham coming back. So, that'll add a bit of extra kind of spice to it. I can't see anything but a Leeds winning this game, to be fair. And I, I know it sounds arrogant saying that, but they are where they are for a reason. We yeah. are where we are for a reason. And I think we should be turning them over. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm confident heading into these last three games without Phillips, you know, because at home against Barnsley, we should win. Derby, nothing to play for. Charlton, they have something to play for, but, you know, who knows? By the time we come to play Charlton next week, they may already have survived and they may have nothing to play for. So, um, you know, I'm confident heading heading into these last three games without Cameron Phillips. Of course, it won't be as as plain sailing as it has been. But um, no, I think I think we'll cut fine without Cameron Phillips. I just feel really sorry for Phillips, though, because of course, he's a Leeds lad, 
And you know, he, he, you know, he's playing for his boy club. You know, it's, he, he's living out his dream, and of course, he he would have wanted to be there on the pitch, helping Leeds United secure promotion to the Premier League. But of course, you know, he, he's not going to be on that pitch now for the last three games, and uh, you know, he's not going to be on the pitch to uh, help Leeds potentially win promotion to the Premier League. I, I do just feel really sorry for Calvin Phillips. I feel I feel good for him because I, I would I would love him to to be on the pitch when we. If we if we do do it, I'm going to keep it if, but I, I do think we will. I think we we can do it. Um, so yeah, I am gutted for him, and obviously he did that Instagram post where he was saying that he'd ch- be, be on the sidelines and be, but he's he's done his job. He's he's done 43, well not 43 because he's he's been out for a bit, but he's done you know nearly the entire season if he's been in the team, he's earned he's earned it, and it's time for the rest of the lads to to do what he can't really and get us over the line. Uh, yeah. We've got enough without him. We can we, we can do it without him, and um, I'd be delighted for him if, he, if he's on the pitch on crutches or whatever he is when we're, when we're celebrating. I'd love him to be there. And his full kit, you know. John Terry style, or no? <laughs> yeah, proper, proper. No, but unlike John Terry, he'll have actually earned it. So. <laughs> yeah, um... unlike, unlike John Terry, he's not done very questionable things. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I do feel sorry for Count Phillips. I'm, I'm sorry that, you know, he can't be on the pitch for us to potentially win promotion. But, you know, he's, he's going to be there in the, in the ground anyway. He's, he's going to be on the, t- on the pitch to celebrate if and uh, when we do uh, win promotion. So, uh, yeah, hopefully the team uh, will do it for Count Phillips and, of course, for Jack Chowton, other legends who we've lost over these past few months. Um, yeah, we were talking about who could replace Calvin Phillips. Uh, we were saying you know, our preferred option is to keep the back line as it is and play Gotts or McCarmont. Um, and yeah, speaking of Calvin Phillips' replacements, uh, 28-year-old midfielder Adam Forshaw looks to be on the brink of return after his long spell on the sidelines. Um, he's looking uh, very well and uh, will return to uh, training in the coming weeks. Uh, back in time for pre-season. Um, yeah, Forshaw, are you, are you looking forward to seeing him return? Yeah, it's been, it's like a, He's only made seven appearances this this season, so it's kind of it's kind of weird that he, he we haven't seen him in so long. He's been kind of like a like the ghost at the feast, like the the kind of hidden figure. I'm sure he'll be good that he hasn't been able to give more at the campaign, but you know he's uh, he's, he's nearly back fit now, and it'll, be, it'll just be good to have another option in midfield. Yeah, another another kind of senior experienced midfielder to, to yeah, come definitely. on to affect the game. So yeah, I, I will be happy to see him back, even though I wouldn't personally start him above Click or Phillips or Hernandez or whoever's playing in, in some, I, I, it's never harmful to have an experienced midfielder you know that you're able to bring on yeah I mean in this situation you know with Phillips out now Adam Forshaw would be that perfect replacement in that CDM spot yes he's been questionable in that position at times but you know he he is that perfect replacement and uh, yeah I feel really sorry for Adam Forshaw because he, he had a really good start to the season and he yeah, just picked up an unfortunate injury. Couldn't quite get over it. But yeah, he looks like he's got over it now. He, he looks very, very fit and well. And um, yeah, he, he looks like he's going to return very soon, which is uh, good to see. I'm looking forward to him uh, returning. We're getting up to almost a year since he last played football, aren't we? Like two months off uh, off a year since uh, he last played uh, for Leeds United. I think it was that Barnsley game, wasn't it? Back in, uh, was it September? Against Barnsley yeah, away from home, yeah, yeah it, it was that game, wasn't it? Where we were like, "Oh, for sure, he's going to be back for this game," and he and he wasn't, and we haven't seen him <laughs> since. So, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, glad that Forshaw's coming back. Um, can you see Forshaw staying at the club, though? You know, especially if we go up, can you, can you see Forshaw remaining remaining at Leeds United? I think he probably will do. I imagine we got him from uh, from Middlesbrough, so he'll be on decent wages because they were in the Premier League. Uh, so he'll be on he'll be on decent wages, but. Once we go, we'll have a lot more money, and if you know if any of these buyouts happen with 
PSG or whatever. Or I'm not. I'm saying they're going to hand, but if it, if we get bought out or invested in, then we'll be able to afford to to keep him on the books. And he's yeah. he's he's a useful option. He's he's 28, so he's got another probably three four years of decent uh, fo- decent football in him. He's got another four years of it. So yeah, I think we should. I think we should keep him on the books because yeah, yeah. So do I. I mean, he's, he's just a good option. He's, yeah, he's, he's a good option. He's a good squad player. And, you know, he's fine being second fiddle to Calvin Phillips because, you know, if we go up and Adam Forshaw leaves, Calvin Phillips is going to be the side midfielder. And it'll be very hard to get, you know, a quality midfielder and try and convince him to come to Leeds to be second choice. You know, Adam Forshaw is at the club right now. He's happy here and he, he's fine being second choice. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd yeah definitely keep Adam Forshaw. And, uh, yeah, just fingers crossed he, um, he keeps himself fit. Um, so yeah, moving on, and uh, Leeds United announced on a Tuesday uh, that 19-year-old defender Oliver Casey has signed a new contract with the club, putting pen to paper on a three-year deal running to the summer of 2023. Um, and yeah, Charles, Leeds tying promising youngsters down to uh, long-term contracts. It's uh, some more good news, some uh, more good stuff to see. Yeah, I mean, his, uh, I think he made his debut in the Huddersfield game before uh, the lockdown. I think that was his first appearance for the club, uh, senior yeah. level anyway. So, um, yeah, he's a good good centre-half. Uh, kind of him and um, I think it's Charlie Cresswell in the under-18s I've been impressed with in the, in the, in the youth ranks for, for centre-half. And, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to get people on kind of long-term deals because we've, we've, we've been poached a lot in the past of decent talent. I mean, Fabian uh, Delph and James Milner come to mind immediately. Aaron Lennon as well. So, um and Danny Rose, to be fair. We've had a lot of youth talent poached off us. So to secure someone down for three years is, is good. I mean, hopefully it will be a Premier League club. And that means there won't be many clubs that will be able to offer him much, you know, kind of better terms. But yeah, I would I would like to see a few more players get a run at especially if we can manage to secure, depending on how the results go this week. If we, if we secure promotion against Barnsley, then I would like to see a few more youngsters get, get run outs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, fantastic news that Oliver Casey has been tied down to a to a long term contract. Uh, another uh, good thing uh, from the uh, club. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll move on from that elsewhere. The Athletic Day are reporting that five substitutes uh, are here to stay for next season. How do we feel about this news? I'm not a fan of it, really. Um, I'm 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 I'm. More annoyed about the water breaks, to be fair, because I think the water breaks are just a huge advantage in games because they allow them, they just stop momentum dead. If you are the team of the ascendancy and the water break comes along, then you are. If you look at the stats, the momentum swings completely once water breaks have happened. So I'm not a fan of that at all. But five subs tends to favour bigger squads. So your top six clubs in the Premier League will be will be delighted with that. Smaller squads, like we have a very small squad, so we don't often use all of our subs. So I don't think it benefits us, other yeah. than maybe allowing Bielsa to always bring Hernandez on without really, you know, using up too, using up too many of the substitutes because he can just bring out Hernandez and Alioski on at halftime in every single game and we still have three subs left. So that is it's kind of useful, but, you know, I don't think we should muck about. The rules are the rules for a reason. There's three subs, so so that you can't just change your team completely during a game and, yeah. and, and recover from mistakes. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it, but, you know, it's the Premier League, isn't it? I, yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful that it will just be next season because of COVID and after that they'll get rid of it. Do, do, do you think it's worked well, the five substitution rule? I think it's been taken advantage of well. I think we've taken yeah. advantage of it. 
on several occasions. I mean, is it necessary? Do you think? I don't think so. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary. not anymore. Maybe the first couple of games, but not not now. Where what six games in with three games left? It's not necessary now. The players are back into the swing of playing midweek game, mid, um, weekend game, so they don't need the water breaks. The, the weather's not hot anyway. I know it's I know it's July, but the weather is not hot. It's it's like room temperature outside. It's been raining in a couple of games. Players do not need water breaks. They don't need. They're not that tired that they need five substitutions. They're just not. And they certainly won't be next season. But, you know, if, if, if that's the rule the Premier League want to put in, then we'll just have to try and take advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, for the last few games of this 2019-20 season, yes, have five substitutions and water breaks. I think, you know, I think that's a decent idea just to get back into the swing of it. But heading into the next season, for the uh, 2021 season, then, you know, just we, we don't need it. Just go back to normal. Just go back to normal. Um, and yeah, you know, you know what? I'm I'm not a fan of it either. I'm not a fan of you know teams swapping half of their outfield players, you know, late on in the game. You know what I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not if, really. If, really if, fan you're, of it. if you're Liverpool or Man City, Man City or Chelsea, you can just chuck five like wingers or strikers on the pitch at the end of the game and just go for it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really a, a fan of that idea. You know, I think it's interesting how it needs to work within you know free stoppages, but yeah, I'm not really a fan of it. And I think you know for next season. You know, maybe have it for the first few weeks or whatever. But once this COVID nineteen thing passes, then just then just scrap it. Just have it back to normal, normal rules. Um, yeah, I don't think it's necessary at all, really. Um, so yeah, moving on, uh, we've received news on the uh, summer transfer window finally, and uh, yeah, the Premier League summer transfer window has, uh, of course, been delayed, and it uh, will run from uh, ten weeks from July the twenty seventh to October the fifth, and then a domestic only transfer window from October the fifth to October the sixteenth. Uh, will happen for Premier League clubs to sign players from the EFL. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's interesting, this news. Uh, of course, yeah, 10 weeks. I think it's shorter than your, your usual summer transfer window, which, um, you know, it's no surprise there, really. But, um, yeah, we, we have word now. July the 27th is when uh, teams will be able to sign players and when Leeds United are in the Premier League, we'll be able to sign players from then. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, Stop saying stuff like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a domestic only transfer window from the 5th to the 16th of October. That's that's fairly interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't really know why they're doing that, uh, to be honest. Because obviously you've got, the, you've got that 10 weeks in which you can sign domestic players anyway. So maybe it's just to give teams a bit of extra time at the end of a transfer window if they need it to you know, sign, sign players from within the country or for scouting players for a bit longer. I don't really know why they've done that. Um, but, you know, it's it's fine if we if we if we need to take advantage of it, then I'm sure we'll be happy to have it there. But I don't know what you think. I don't, I don't really see the, to the point. And I think the standard transfer window is kind of enough, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we, we've seen it over the years, you know, our transfer window shuts and then, you know, the European transfer window, you know, it's still going on for, for a few days afterwards or a week afterwards or whatever. So I've never understood why our transfer window closes so early on. And then that leaves opportunity for European teams to, you know, to steal all our players. Um, you know, I never understood that. But um, no, it, it is interesting having a domestic only transfer window. I felt as, no, I feel as though it would make more sense if it was a transfer window, you know, an extended transfer window to sign players out of the country. Because that's a lot harder, really. You know, if you think about it, it would be a lot harder to sign players from other countries. Because you know, with all the COVID nineteen stuff, you know, tra- traveling isn't really the easiest at the moment. And so I feel as though you know, an extra, uh, yeah, an extra week there, um, an extra week or two there for for doing deals uh, for players, you know, abroad. I-, I feel as though that would have been 
made a lot more uh, sense. But yeah, domestic domestic only transfer window. That's um, it's a bit um, strange, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure a lot of deals will will happen in there. Of course, lower leagues, you know, a lot of deals will happen then. But you know, will Premier League clubs be signing players from League One and League Two? No, no chance. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll do a lot of their business in the ten week window from July the twenty seventh. Um, yeah, domestic only transfer window. So yeah, a, a little bit weird in my opinion, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why it's there. Just have the window open for an, for an extra week. <laughs> no. Yeah, it doesn't really make much sense, but maybe yeah, not. whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, and uh, finally, as expected, Leeds United's trip to Pride Park to face Derby County has been selected for live TV broadcast on Sky Sports, and the game will now take place at two p.m. on Sunday, the nineteenth of July, twenty twenty. <laughs> Well, let's now look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which is uh, this Thursday. It's a Yorkshire derby against Barnsley at Ellen Road, kicking off at the ridiculous time of 5pm. Barnsley, the bottom of the league, 24th on the 43 points, three points from safety. Charles, we really should be putting this team to the sword. Uh, yeah, they're they're poor. They're bottom of the league for a reason. They've got horrendous goal difference. Uh, Stoke hammered them four 0 and we hammered Stoke five 0 So <laughs> I know that's not how it works, but you know you'd you'd, li- you'd like to think if if we can turn Stoke over that badly, then we just have to kind of turn up. Um, apparently, their manager likes playing pe- players out of position, much to their detriment. They're, they've been all right since the restart. To be fair, I think they've had I think they've got what, uh, nine or ten points in there. In their six games, so they're playing okay, but they're mainly they're mainly getting draws. They're not they're not winning games yeah. very often. So yeah, a lot of draws. So the, the draws aren't what they needed. They needed wins, and I think they'll be aware that it's pretty much over. Their their time in the championship is is once again over uh, until next season when they get promoted back. Because I have no idea what's going on with them in League One. Them and Rotherham just get relegated from the championship every year and then get promoted <laughs> back. <laughs> they need their own mini league, really. Only Wigan, to be fair, yeah. only Wigan. A bit more stabilised. They are not. Yeah, Barnsley aren't a great team. They've got a few ex-Leeds lads in there. They've got Moat and they've got Clark O'Donnell and they've got Apple Halm and they've all they signed a lot of lads from the youth system. But so they, they don't really have experienced players apart from Moat. Obviously, he's, he's a bit older. But they've got quite a young team. Um, so I expect us to turn up and beat them because yeah. I know we, we kind of let ourselves down with Luton a bit at home, which really should have picked up points in. But we've really got to turn up and and just just turn on the style, just get an early goal, and it'll be all sorted. And yeah. No worries, and, and then we can all relax. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned Barnsley's form there. I mean, you know they are very inconsistent. You know, two wins, three draws, three losses from the last uh, eight league games. Uh, two wins, three draws, and one loss since the restart. You know, a lot of draws, and I was thinking, you know, looking at the form, I'm thinking they're getting a lot of draws here. You know, picking up a few points. You know, why at the bottom of the league? But yeah, they're just not getting enough wins at the moment. That's their problem. They're just very inconsistent. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, the other team, a lot of ex-Leeds players, a lot of uh, Leeds youngsters in there, in uh, Upper Helm and uh, Clackador. Um, yeah, very young team. And uh, yeah, they're just just very inconsistent at Barnsley. Um, what kind of what kind of a game are you expecting heading into this Yorkshire derby? I don't really know because they Barnsley play kind of a kind of a high energy style as well. They they're not really like like your Cardiffs, they're not like your Lutons or Stokes where they'll just sit back and absorb pressure. They tend to they tend, they tend to go out and have a go and, and play play football. So, But they must be aware that if they try to out-football us, they're going to get battered because they just will. So I, I really... And, and they'll, they'll, they'll know that teams have come to Allen Road and sat back and got points like Luton did, uh, like Wigan did. So 
I, I, I think they'll probably come out because they have to win. They can't. They can't afford to draw the game. They, they really can't afford to draw yeah. it. So they, they really, if they want any chance, they've got to win the last three games, which you know would do us a massive favour because they're playing Brentford. So I think they'll come. I think they'll come out and try and have a go. Um, but I think if we put, if we end up putting two past them, you know, in the first half or, or even throughout the game, even in the start of the second half or whatever, I think their their heads will just drop because yeah, they've conceded. They've conceded a lot this season. They'll, they'll know that they'll essentially be down. They know we need to win this game as well, so they'll they'll be expecting us to come out and you know go hell for leather at them. So I think I think I, I expect it to be entertaining. Is the word I would use. Yeah. I expect it to be an entertaining game. To Derby as well with with and the, the players will know each other. The ex leads will know the current lead squad as well. So yeah. it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely, it will be very interesting. You know, top of the league versus bottom of the league. You know, you always go into these games thinking, yeah, top of the league team, they're they're gonna absolutely blitz them. But yeah. Bottom of the league, you know, they, they have nothing to lose, really. They have nothing to lose, so they're just going to come at us. And, uh, you know, we, we can't take them lightly. You know, we can't disrespect them. You know, yes, they're bottom of the league, but, you know, we can't take them lightly. It's not going to be an easy game. You know, so Yorkshire Derby, Barnsley need the points. They, you know, they're not just going to roll over. And, yeah, they'll make it a reasonably difficult game, won't they? Yeah, they'll, they'll try their utmost. I mean, if for Yorkshire pride, if nothing else, because they'll, they'll want to be, they'll want to turn over these on road. So they will, they will turn up with the aim of, beat, of beating us. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm expecting it to be entertaining. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah. Well, I said looking forward to it. I'm, I'm dreading it massively. But you know, <laughs> if, if the whole season wasn't riding on the game, I'd be looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, ultimately, Leeds United should win. Yeah, as I say, you know, we're top, they're bottom. We again just need to focus on ourselves and just you know do you know do the job in hand. Um, we spoke about it earlier, the uh, lineup for Leeds United. What 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 were you expecting? Unchanged. Uh, obviously, other than Calvin Phillips uh, being out, I think Ben White will move into midfield, Berardi will be in, and the rest of the squad will be the same. I'd yeah. be surprised if it was any different. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree as well. Of course, if there's any other last-minute injuries picked up, then uh, those guys will be replaced. But uh, yeah, I'm just a full, fully expecting Ben White to be in midfield, Berardi at centre-back, and uh, yeah, the rest of the squad left uh, unchanged. Whoscore.com, let's see what they say about Barnsley. So Barnsley, on Whoscore.com, I have zero strengths. So, um, yeah, a good start. A good start. <laughs> uh, they are weak at keeping possession of the ball, weak at aerial duels, weak at defending counter-attacks, weak at defending set-pieces, very weak at finishing scoring chances, very weak at avoiding uh, fouling in dangerous areas, and very weak at avoiding individual errors. So, um. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a few penalties. We, of course, got a penalty away at Barnsley earlier on in the season. So, um, yeah, who knows? We, we could get another uh, penalty awarded to us here. I was just saying, so basically they're just weak at playing football because the, the <laughs> things you've listed there pretty much cover most of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're, just a, they're just a poor side. Uh, Barnsley style of play, they take uh, long shots. They control the game in the opposition's half. It's not going to happen here. I, no, I doubt Moat's going yes. to control the game at, at Ellen Road. <laughs> um, Barnsley attack down the right, play the offside trap. Uh, they have a consistent first 11 and they are uh, aggressive. So, uh, yeah, take of that what you will from whoscored.com. Uh, but, yeah, they have no strength. So, uh, yeah, it's a uh, nice reading that. Um, Leeds uh, have a tremendous record against uh, Barnsley. Just be uh, two losses from the last nine meetings with uh, six draws and one win. 
uh, indoors. Uh, the last time we lost at home to Barnsley uh, was on the 26th of November 2011, uh, where we lost 2 1. Uh, we, of course, beat them 2 0 um, at their place earlier in the season back in uh, September, uh, September 15th, 2019, if you want the exact date. <laughs> we will. Uh, uh, do you think we will uh, do the double over them, Charles? What's your score prediction for Thursday's game? I think we will do the double over them, yeah. It was, it was in Ketia off a free kick and it was a click penalty down at their place, wasn't it, earlier in the yeah. season? Yeah, I, 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 I can't see us not winning this game. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to look like a mug saying that because uh, I think it just. Um, we, we, we've got to beat him. Sure, surely we've got to beat him. <laughs> I think we've got one of the easiest run-ins in the entire... I think West Brom have got something similar. I think we've got one of the easiest run-ins. We've got to just turn him over. Yeah. So, score prediction? Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 leads. Well, you know what? After Wigan flashed uh, Hull 8-0 at home, and you mentioned earlier, Stoke beat Barnsley 4-0, we beat Stoke 5-0, so I'm confident. I'm going to go with a 9-0 win. 9-0 <laughs> to lead. right there. I'll be delighted. 9-0 to win. 9-0 <laughs> win to ease, I'm going to go for. But uh, yeah, we should definitely get the job done. We're top dead bottom. We should, you know, it should be an easy three points on Thursday, really. So hopefully Leeds United can get the done on a can get the job done on Thursday, I should say. Uh, so yeah, let's now look ahead to uh, Sunday's game, which uh, sees Leeds United travel to Pride Park to take on Wayne Rooney's Derby County. Um, I mean, yeah, Charles, wouldn't it be awesome to win the league? Win, you know, win promotion or win the league at Derby? No, how awesome would that be? <laughs> it would be fantastic. I mean, especially given they keep hiring people we that we hate. So they, they hired <laughs> Frank Lampard and then they hired Wayne Rooney. And especially given how dodgy their club is. I mean, and then you've got the drink driving incident earlier in the season. You've got the you've got the fact that Wayne Rooney's sponsored by 32 Red. That's why he wears the number 32. I mean, the amount of dodgy, dodgy stuff going on at that football club is ridiculous. It, I mean, and of course, how, how crushed we were last year to, to lose the playoff, lose them in the playoffs. Uh, I would love it to, if we could, you know, win the next two and win the league at their ground. He'd be, he'd be, he'd be the, the perfect revenge from last season, really, wouldn't it? He'd be uh, the absolute perfect revenge to, you know, either win promotion or win the league at their place. It would just be a uh, fantastic and a, uh, yeah, it's just a shame that fans can't be there to enjoy it and the fans can't be there to uh, rub it in the faces of all the Derby fans. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Derby, you know, Derby, they're a weird team, aren't they? Because they got off to a great start in the uh, Project 3 start, uh, winning the first three games. Uh, but they haven't won any of the last four, drawing one and uh, losing three. So yeah, they're very inconsistent. They, they lack quality and uh, yeah, we really should be beating these lot, Charles. Yeah, I saw their game against Brentford and whenever Derby had the ball, they the plan was just to pass it to Wayne Rooney and try and get him to to find a, a a pass over the top or through the lines. And well, as soon as Brentford just started pressing him relentlessly, he just didn't do anything. I mean, in the last game, uh, we're calling this on Wednesday, so Tuesday night they played Cardiff away, I think. And um, yeah, Wayne Rooney basically. Yeah, it was it, it was two one, I think. Um, yeah, he got, he got Rooney got robbed by Lee Tomlin on the halfway line. I mean, can you imagine two fatter blokes playing football <laughs> against each other? Uh, he got robbed by Lee Tomlin on the halfway line. And instead of turning around like you would expect a professional footballer to do and run after him to try and get the ball back, he just turned around, put his hands in the air. Tomlin just ran through and scored immediately. So if I was if I was a Derby fan watching it, wouldn't, wouldn't a player that just not be that bothered to that extent, then I'd be slightly worried about you know top of the league leads coming down to play them. So yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm confident in that game as well. Yeah. And, you know, Wayne Rooney, let's talk about him for a minute because, you know, what a weird player. He's gone from being England's and Manchester United's top goal scorer uh, to being a, a, a central defensive midfielder for Derby County in the Championship. 
Uh, so he's had a weird career as Wayne Rooney. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Wayne Rooney, since arriving at Derby, I mean, he's done very little, hasn't he, to improve them? You know, he's done very little there. No, I, w- I wouldn't say that. I think when I think when he when he got there, they were 17. So he's managed to drag them up a few places in the table. They've gone up to, what, ninth or 10th or whatever they are yeah, right now. Yeah, they are 10th on their 61 points. So, yeah, he's dragged, he's dragged them up a little bit. But, you know, fundamentally, they're, they're not a good team. And, yeah. and one man cannot drag you that can't drag you from 17 to the playoffs, unless that man's name is Pablo Hernandez. But you know, <laughs> the the fact is that he's he, he's past his best as Wayne Rooney. And if, if we put pressure on him and harass him and with intensity in that game, we will beat Derby because they have yeah. nothing else. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think I think Wagon's back for that game, which is a bit irritating. I think he, I think he's finished his suspension now. He's he's a decent player to play for Ipswich, didn't he? And he's He's, he's, he's been okay for Derby. I mean, we've got Chris Martin who scored against us at Ellen Road, but I can't see many threats coming at us. I think if we turn up in our and, and play to a decent standard, then I think we'll be fine. Yeah. Mentioning Derby's uh, position in the table, Philip Koku's side, a 10th on 61 points, six points off of the top six with two games to go. So realistically, they're not going to make the playoffs. So, they, you know, the they have nothing to play for, the Derby. Nothing to play for, really. Um, and yeah, the, you know, they lack quality. They've lost all the quality from last season of Derby. They're an aging team. And yeah, we should be beating these lot. Um, what what game are you expecting on Sunday against Derby? Because you know, I think, you know, Derby, you know, the players are of a fair age. I th- I I can't see them being able to cope with the high intensity, high intensity we play at. You know, they couldn't even cope with us last season. I mean, of course, apart from the second leg in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't think Derby will be able to cope against us this season. I mean, they've got they've got a few young players that that night. The, the guy, I think he's, he's right back. He plays or right wing or whatever. He, he's he's all right. They got Sibley up front. He's obviously uh, kind of touted as the next best kind of EFL youngster. So they've got a little they've got a little bit of talent in there, but they're going to be on the beach. I mean, I think the game how they play they they're they're on the beach already because there's there's not they've got nothing to play they can't really reach the playoffs it'd be very difficult for them to reach the playoffs for how we play I think it would depend on how the bands the game goes if we were to lose the bands the game or draw the bands the game I think we'll we'll, we'll be real really well up for it and we'll, we'll properly go after them if we if everything goes well and the bands the game is the kind of the uh, the coronation moment as it were or you know even just the promotion moment um, then I can see as you know maybe not taking the game as serious so I think. We also will just insist we battle them anyway out of uh, out of respect to the league or whatever. <laughs> so um, yeah, I can. I think it very much depends on how the Barnsley game goes. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not willing to say we're going to perform until I know how we've done this week. Because if we if we win on <laughs> Thursday, that will affect how we play on Sunday. I think it just will. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. Let's have a let's of course have a look at uh, who scored and what they say about Derby County. Uh, so Derby, uh, according to whoscore.com, are very strong at shooting from direct free kicks, very strong creating long shot opportunities, strong at attacking down the wings, uh, strong at stealing the ball from the opposition. Uh, they are weak at stopping opponents from creating chances, weak at defending against long shots, weak at defending against skillful players, weak at avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, and weak at avoiding individual errors, and very weak at defending counter-attacks. Um, Derby style of play, they attack through the middle, uh, play possession football, take long shots, uh, do short passes, playing in their own half and aggressive. Again, I'm not sure playing in their own half is a, exactly a style of play a, a team really hopes for. But, um, yeah, take of that what you will from a whoscored.com. Um, yeah, moving on to a Leeds United's record against Derby County. We have lost one of the last six meetings against them. We, of course, beat them three times last season with two of those coming 
uh, away from home in that 4-0 win and that 1-0 win. Uh, just a shame we uh, couldn't do it. Uh, couldn't beat them a fourth time, uh, but we'll uh, move on. Uh, will we get our revenge here, do you think? What's your what's your score prediction for Sunday's game at Derby? It's difficult because I actually think they'll score in this game. I think it'll be a 2-1 victory for Leeds. I'll go 3-1. I, I, reckon, I reckon we'll get the job done. I reckon it'll be two wins this week. And we'll be uh, yeah lifting the trophy uh, at some point. Um, yeah, I'm really <laughs> confident. Uh, other games to look out for this weekend. Huddersfield play West Brom on Friday night at 5.30pm. And uh, Stoke play Brentford on Saturday. There's no point mentioning the Fulham game because they can't catch us. So they're irrelevant right now. Uh, so yeah, Friday night, Huddersfield versus West Brom and Stoke versus Brentford on Saturday. Uh, but you know what, really? The games don't really matter because we're going to win both our games this week and we're going to win the league, aren't we? <laughs> I certainly hope so. Huddersfield will not want to do us a favour by beating West Brom. I'd also like to find that out. They'll happily lose that game so we don't go up. Stoke will get battered by Brentford. So <laughs> we kind of have to win our games. Yeah, and we will. We will. We'll win both our games, win promotion, and uh, yeah, potentially win the uh, win the league. So uh, yeah, <laughs> hopefully United can get the job done. Hopefully United can pick up two wins from two this week. So that brings us to the end of episode seventy of the All Things Leeds podcast. Uh, thank you very much, as always, to Charles for joining me. Thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah, really appreciate you uh, joining me as always, Charles. And uh, thank you to uh, everyone who has uh, listened or watched. We uh, really do uh, appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoyed them, why not subscribe or follow? The uh, podcast gives a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you are listening on there. Just go do it now. Even if you're not listening on there, just go over to Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone. And just give us a five-star rating. Just do it. Um, <laughs> uh, share the podcast around as well. It really does help us out. And we uh, really do very much appreciate it. Uh, make sure to follow All Things Leads on social media. If you are watching on YouTube and Facebook, it's all scrolling down at the bottom of the screen right now. So, uh, yeah, make sure to follow us on social media. We are All Things Leads 1. On Twitter and Instagram, we are All Things Leads on Facebook and YouTube. Make sure to follow uh, and uh, subscribe uh, as well. Uh, Charles and I will be back next week, a little bit earlier next week, as, of course, Leeds United play Charlton on uh, Wednesday. So we'll be back uh, on Tuesday uh, next week, hopefully. So, uh, yeah, until then, take care, stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll speak to you soon. (laughs) 